In the name of Jesus, amen. I want you to consider the power of a name this morning, the power of a name. It's Mother's Day, so we should use this example first and foremost. The power of your name when your mother says it is something, isn't it? David Robert means a whole lot more when mom says it than when someone else says it. When your name gets called, you respond, don't you? Especially when it's mom who's saying. But names don't always have to strike fear, and the use of your name should not startle or alarm you. That's not what I want you to go away with. Mothers can also use your name very sweetly. David, it's so good to hear from you. Mothers have that power. Invoking our names, they invoke a whole bunch of connotations with them. And this is how names work. Consider the case of star-crossed lovers. When a young man gets struck by Cupid's arrow, he is truly smitten, right? He falls head over heels, and the name of his beloved becomes to him the sweetest thing in all the earth. So it's no surprise when young men fall for a certain girl, her name is the most exciting thing he could ever hear. It makes the hair on his arms stand up. It makes his heart thrill just to hear her name. And then something strange happens. He stops using her name, right? He stops using her name because her name gets replaced by all kinds of little nicknames, right? Hey, babe, hey, hon, hey, dear, hey, sweetie. All those little names get substituted for what used to be his greatest love. And eventually, if God's will is done, if the fates align, it turns out that this man marries this woman, and pretty soon those nicknames disappear too, No longer is that sweet name heard. No longer are those little dear names spoken. Instead, it's just, hey, you. Until something wonderful happens. Until the name is spoken again. There is something so sweet in hearing your name spoken by your spouse. There is something so powerful, it's probably even more powerful than your mom calling your name, to have your wife or to have your husband say your name. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing to use a name, and it's a beautiful thing to hear your name, because names, names resonate on a very deep level. Names are not just something that we throw around, but names carry with them all that a person is. So when you hear your wife's name, there's a bit of excitement. When you hear your husband's name, there should be a little bit of joy. And when you hear your name spoken by someone who you love, it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's also true of friends. What a friend we have in Jesus. When you hear the name of Jesus, when you hear the name of your Lord, when you hear those two little syllables put together, Jesus, It's not just throwing something out there, but when we hear that name Jesus, when we hear that name spoken to us, it calls to mind all that Jesus is, everything that he is. And so as much as we should strive to use our wife's name in our home, our husband's name in our home, it is an even better thing to speak the name of Jesus at home, because where the name of Jesus is, there he is. 
Jesus can't be separated from his name. He has taken that name and he's not giving it back. He wants you to use it. He wants you to speak that name. He wants you, when you hear his name, to think of all that he is and all that he has done for you. The name of Jesus is a gift. It is the gift of himself. And you can think of it this way if you go all the way back to where God first gave his people his name. Remember how Moses had gone up onto Mount Sinai. It was Mount Horeb at that time, but they were the same mountain. And there he saw this sight, right? A bush that burned, but behold, it was not consumed. And the Lord gave Moses that special mission to go into Egypt and to bring his people out. And then Moses asked this wonderful question, Lord, what is your name? And the Lord told him, I am who I am, right? A bit of a riddle, to be sure, but God gave Moses his name. And I want you to consider the gift of that name, because if we can understand the gift of God giving his name to Moses, then we can also see the gift that Jesus gives to you now with his name. Moses said that he needed to know the name so that if the people asked who sent you, he could tell them. Right? He could tell them, I'm not coming to you on my own power. I'm not coming to you with my own authority, but I come in the name of Yahweh. I am who I am. The name of God was given to Moses so that Moses could actually identify God. Right? God did not want his identity to be lost among all the other idols, among all the other names, the Baals and the Asherahs and all those other things that people called gods that were not in fact gods. The Lord is jealous for his name. He wants to be sure that his people know who he is and what he's done. Just think if someone started using your name with all kinds of made-up things. If someone started attributing to you all kinds of things that you never did, that you never even dreamed of doing, well, if they were good things, you might let it slide, right? But if somebody starts to fill in your name with all kinds of made-up stories, all kinds of slanderous things, you might get a little bit defensive, right? Because your name, your reputation, is not a thing to be taken lightly, The Lord gave Moses his name so that his people would know who he is and what he has done. And so throughout scripture, every time the Lord acts, there is usually this little little follow-up. Then they will know who I am. Then they will know that I am the Lord who brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord who brought them back from exile. I am the Lord who will save them from their sins. God gave his name so that his people would know his identity. And he also gave his name so that his people could actually use it. God gave his people his name so that they could use it. Now, what's the use of a name, you might say? We take this for granted. It's so obvious, isn't it? You use a person's name to get their attention. Hey, Ben. Hey, Clyde. Hey, David. Right? That's what you do. You use a person's name to get their attention. Well, when God gave his name to Moses and to Israel, he said, go ahead, use it. Go ahead, call out to me. Go ahead, get my attention. I will respond. The gift of a name is the gift of access. God gave his people his name so that they would know who he was, and he gave them his name so that they could access him. And if that seems like no big deal, well, think again. 
to have access, to have access to the creator of all things, to have access to the one who formed you, to have access to the Lord of heaven and earth is no small thing at all. Wouldn't you give quite a bit to have access to your boss? Wouldn't you give quite a bit to have access to someone who has authority or power in this world, to someone who could do something for you? Well, how much better is it to have access to the heavenly throne room? How much better to have access to the heavenly Father? This is the gift of Jesus' name. He gives you access. Now, we live in a world where names are often stolen. We live in a world where accounts are often hacked. We live in a world where you can't always be sure that if the email comes from someone, it's actually coming from that person. We live in a world of stolen names. But Jesus doesn't say you have to steal his name. Jesus doesn't say you have to hack in to heaven. Jesus doesn't say you have to somehow guess his password and only then God will listen to you. No, Jesus says, here is a gift. Use it. Ask in my name. What a powerful thing that Jesus gives to his disciple. Jesus gives us his name to give us all that he has and all that he is. Ask, he says, in my name. And scripture is full, the gospels are full of Jesus attaching his gifts with his name. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, what does he promise? There I am in the midst of them. John's gospel ends this way. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now just think of how wonderful it would be if a billionaire gave you access to his bank account. Sign me up, right? If any of you want to give me access to your bank accounts, I will be taking your names and your logins and your passwords after service, okay? Jesus gives you access to his account, right? This is the whole gift of Christianity. This is what we mean by grace, that Jesus says, I want you to have my life. I want you to have everything that's true about me credited to you. We use this language so often here. I wonder if sometimes I repeat it too much, but I can't help myself. This is the great exchange that Jesus takes from you what belongs to you. He says, here, let me have your account with all its debts, with all its sins, with all its death. Let me have it. And here you have my account. You have my name. That's something even better than having money. That's something even better than having access to a billionaire. To have access to Jesus' name means to have all that is true about him. It means that you have access to him. And isn't Jesus better than gold? Isn't Jesus better than a little bit of silver? Isn't Jesus better? Isn't Jesus far, far better than all the currencies of our world? We have life in his name. That means we have all that is true about him given to us. By faith, you are joined so closely to Jesus. By faith, you are joined so closely to Jesus that he says, my name is given to you. My name is on you. You know what that's like? That's like marriage, right? I had a sister, well, I have a sister. I shouldn't say I had a sister. My sister, when she was young, her friends, I would never understand girls. I still have a hard time with it, um, to be honest. But these girls would play with chalk in the driveway. And you know what they would do? They would write their name, and then they would write a different last name. 
They would write the name of the man who one day they hoped they would get married. And um, since she's not here, I can tell stories about her. Um, at that time, everyone wanted to be a timber lake. If you know, you know, right? And so we would have scribbled on our driveway all these girls' names with timber lake behind it. To be a timber lake, that was the joy of, that was the hope of the future. Jesus gives you his name, dear friends. Don't you know that he calls his church, his disciples, his bride? That means he has put his name on you. He has taken you under his wing. He has joined himself to you as closely as you are to yourself. In the waters of holy baptism, you have been made the bride, a part of the bride of Christ. In the sacrament of the altar, he says, take and eat my body, take and drink my blood. Have my name plastered over you. Forget your former name. I'm giving you something better. I'm giving you something new. And that name of Jesus is given to you to use, right? Be ye doers of the word, James says. Be ye doers. It often happens that when a bride is first married, it takes a little while to get used to the name. It takes a little while to forget the old name with all of its happy connotations, with all of its happiness tied to it, and to get used to that new name. But eventually, it happens, right? Eventually, it happens that the bride is happy to have her husband's name, to have his account. Sometimes it works out quite nicely to have his account. You have the name of Jesus given to you. You are part of his bride, the Holy Church. And that means that when you come in prayer to the Father, you don't come by yourself. You don't come on your own account. You don't come on your own merit. Oh God, you should listen to me because I have wonderful ideas. Why should God pay any attention to us? And yet he does for the sake of his son. Because his son has loved you and has given you his name, when you come to God the Father in the name of Jesus, you are coming covered in Christ. And so all of your petitions, all of your requests, all of your intercessions, all of your supplications, whatever word you want to put in there, all of it comes to God the Father as if Jesus was saying it. The Father loves to receive his Son. The Father loves to hear his Son's name. And he loves when his Son's bride comes to him in the name of his Son. That name of Jesus is not just some slogan to tack on to the end of our prayers. It's not even a magical talisman. You know, like somehow if you can just say the right syllables, God has to do what you want, right? God, give me a million dollars. I say it in the name of Jesus, <laughs> That's not how prayer works, dear friends. It's not a magic genie lamp that we rub. You can't get God to go against his own will. And yet when we come in the name of Jesus, not just saying those words, but presenting our requests in and through and with Jesus, we should have confidence, right? We should have confidence that the Father receives those prayers. And just think of what a marvel that is, that the Lord of heaven and earth should have your advice. Isn't that what we do when we pray? Again, we use names so often that we forget the power of access. And we pray so often that sometimes I think we forget just what we're doing when we're praying. When we come to God the Father in prayer, we are advising the Lord of heaven and earth how things should go. And he's happy to get your advice. 
He's not some kind of awful, terrible tyrant who doesn't want to hear from his people. The Lord of heaven and earth wants your advice. What do you think should happen today? What do you think should happen in your life? What do you think should happen in your church? What do you think should happen in the world around you? Bring those prayers, bring those requests, bring those petitions to your heavenly Father, for he loves to hear from you. If he didn't, he wouldn't have sent his son. And if he didn't, his son wouldn't have given you his name. If God didn't want to hear from you, if he just wanted you to be silent, well, Jesus never would have appeared. Jesus never would have died. Jesus never would have risen. And he certainly never would have said, ask in my name and you will receive. What a great gift Jesus has given to his church to pray. When everything else is taken away from you, when you have no other power, when you have no other control, you still have access to the one who is never limited. You still have access to the one who has all power and all control. So ignore those people who say things like prayer doesn't do anything. Ignore those people who say that prayer doesn't work. Ignore those people who tell you to keep your prayers to yourself and do it anyways. For your Jesus has told you, ask and you will receive. Ask in my name, and I tell you, the Father loves to hear from you. Jesus gives us his name to actually use it. We might put it this way, maybe mothers would say it, use it or lose it. And in fact, that's true of all of Christianity, right? We should get into the habit of saying, going home from church and saying, so what? So what now? What did I hear today? What did I learn today that I can actually put into practice? Because Christianity is not meant to just exist in your mind. That's what our epistle from James speaks so powerfully to. Do not be hearers only, but be doers. You could go through each part of our catechism and think about those things. Why did God give us his commandments? Just so that we could know right from wrong? Just so that we could win a few arguments with people? Ha ha, I got you. See, I'm right and you're wrong. No, God has given us his commandments to actually do them. Why do we have the Apostles' Creed? Is it just so that we can think about God? No, it is so that we can actually speak his name and speak what is true about God. Why do we have the Lord's Prayer? Is it just so that we can memorize something so when we don't know what else to say, we have those words? Well, actually, that's not that bad. But the reason that you have been given the Lord's Prayer is to actually use it. See, Christianity is not just something to think about. Our religion is not a mental exercise. What did it say in James' epistle? He will be blessed in his doing. It is in the putting of these things into practice that you will be blessed, not just the thinking about them. We are not given the sacraments of holy baptism and confession and absolution and the sacrament of the altar to think about, as good as it is to think about these things. The point is to do them, to actually be baptized, to actually celebrate the sacrament of the altar, to actually confess our sins and receive absolution. That is far better than all the books that were ever written about these things, as wonderful as those books are. Jesus gives you his name to use it. Jesus gives you access to his Father to use it. He gives you his commandments to use them, his creed to use it, his prayer to use it, his sacraments to use them. And in your using of these things, I promise you this, you will be blessed. Put God to the test and see 
He loves to be put to the test. He loves when his people actually use the gifts that he gives them. He loves, he loves, he loves when you use his name. He loves it even more than we love it when our wives use our name, when our husbands use our name, when our sons use our name, when our daughters use our name. He loves it like a friend who loves to have you call out to him, who loves to have you reach out to him. So use, use what Jesus has given you and find how you will be blessed in the doing. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.